Bucks fans, happy NFC Championship Week. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. We are doing our second of our three day in a row Buccaneer Insider Live presented by Miller Lite Blitz to get ready for everything you guys need to know. I know, I just, I came up with that. Like just, that. Yeah, that's good. good. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's something our good, our team is good at. And yeah. I just figured, you know, you we go. could hop on that here. Blitz. Uh, so, Yes, we are blitzing with all the content for this week. And of course, we want to know what you guys want us to talk about. So if you're not already watching on Facebook, head on over there. And underneath our live video, you can leave questions in the comments section for us while we give people a chance to do that. Uh, tell us some of the things that we have learned about, particularly Vita Vea and Antonio Brown since our show yesterday. Yeah, we didn't learn a lot about Vita Vea. And the reason is um, the Bucks held their Wednesday practice at walkthrough speed, which is not uncommon at the end of the season. Uh, guys are banged up, and, and that game in New Orleans apparently was very physical. So they really just – coach didn't really want to run them just yet. They'll, they'll start running at full speed today. It's, it's not unusual. They do that all the time. But what that means is you don't really know how well – Vita ran because he didn't, he walked and coach Arian said he walked real good. So that was his analysis. Um, we'll have to wait another day to see how he's feeling in terms of really going full speed. Antonio Brown did not practice. It again strikes me as a similar situation to Mike Evans uh, in the Washington game where he had the injury, had the MRI that revealed there was no structural damage, was called day to day at the beginning of the week. Nobody was sure, uh, didn't practice right away, and then eventually got in some limited work and was able to play. So if AB can come back uh, either both or one of the next two days and, and get some limited work in, then we could feel a little bit better about his being available on Sunday in Green Bay. And I know that we had uh, a few different people speak to the media yesterday. What are some of the things that you learned outside of the injury front for the two of those guys? Nobody's really worried about the cold. You know, everybody is everybody outside of the Buccaneers is worried about the Buccaneers playing in the cold. The Bucs themselves are not really worried about it. A lot of the guys like Tom Brady, as an example, have plenty of cold weather experience. Some of them from college, like our Minnesota rookies and um, basically don't they don't feel like 28 degrees, which I guess is the estimated kickoff temperature is really all that bad. We talked about it yesterday. There's so many things on the sideline to keep them warm. And then when you get in the game, you're running around and you don't really feel cold. So, uh, you know, hopefully they're right. And they're in the right mental state of mind, because that's what uh, they, somebody said that it was um, basically it's a mental issue and nobody's worried about it. Um, the, the run game is really a big topic of conversation because again, at this time of the year, people often talk about how the run game becomes more important in the playoffs and as you're getting towards the end and that's especially true in cold weather games and the bucks have fresh legs and, and a pretty nice run going right now with leonard fournette and ronald jones and then stopping the the packers run is important because and not easy to do with they have three guys in their backfield that are pretty good and playing well right now and um it's if you can slow those guys down as the bucks have been able to do against a lot of def our, our offenses um it makes it harder for aaron jones aaron Rodgers, that is to um, be so effective on play action, which he has been this year. Yeah, and we did have um, a question about if Ronald Jones was playing and healthy because you know he had just come back this last game, and there was a there were a couple moments where it looked like maybe he was still favoring that quad a little bit, even though he he did run really really well. So is is he good to go from everything we know? Yeah, he's basically at the same spot he was last week in terms of the injury report. He is on there and he is limited in practice. So it's still there. Um, somebody asked him about, you know, the quad and combined with cold weather and if that was an issue. But he says he'll be, you know, he'll he'll take care of it ahead of time to be ready for that game. Um, I don't think it's really that much of an issue. He's he like you said, there were moments where it looked like maybe it was bothering him a little. But when he got the ball, he ran really, really well. So, um, 
you know, when he's been healthy or, you know, not on a reserve list down the stretch, he's looked really good. So the, that combination of Leonard Fournette, who's, who looks like a different beast here in the playoffs and, and Roland Jones is, is pretty good to have going into this game. Absolutely. Uh, and we had a question asking if you were to compare talent and balance on both sides of the ball for the Super Bowl team and this year's team, which team would you select? Yeah, I, I, I think I get the point of this question. This team is more balanced in that. Um, and I actually did a little study on this uh, yesterday in terms of points scored. Obviously, the 2002 team um, that's since 2002, the NFL has gone increasingly towards more and more and more scoring. So you can't just do a one-on-one -on -one comparison. The Buccaneers scored 30.8 points per game this year, which is um, easily a team record, but you have to compare it to eras because the league as a whole was averaging 24.8 points per game per team, which is the highest in NFL history. So what I did was compared all the years in team history, they're scoring offense and defense against um, the average and the Bucks. This year, their scoring defense, our scoring offense is better against the average than it's ever been. Uh, and the scoring defense was better against the average by somewhat a, a decent margin. The 2002 team, that defense was legendary and there um, it was like 75 percent better than the scoring average of the league in a whole, as a whole. So average gave up like 12 and a half points per game. But the scoring offense was basically almost dead on average. So that team was so heavily um, leaning towards how great that defense was that when the offense became a little bit better in the playoffs, they just, they barreled through everybody. As you saw this team in 2002, I don't think you could say either side of the offense, either side of the ball is as incredibly dominant as they were in 2002, but yes, it's probably a more balanced team. Okay. Um, and Richard that was a long answer, wasn't it? Yes. But you know, you what? time for any more. <laughs> yeah. uh, Richard asked, is this the best rookie class the Bucks have ever had? Oh, probably not because I mean, I know it's only two guys, but in 1995, you drafted Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp, not in that order in the first round. And those guys are both in the hall of fame. So even if it's just two guys, um, that's pretty good. There's been some other really good classes like 1997 with, uh, Ronnie Barber and a bunch of other guys. I'd have to sit down and, and uh, and really do it, you know, look into it a little bit harder to answer that question. But off the top of my head, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say yes to that question. Also in part, because it's only been one year and yes, you look like you have absolutely star caliber players in Antoine Winfield and Tristan Wirfs, but let's give it a little time to see how the whole class works out. Right. You'd have to compare it to other rookie classes after their first year. Yeah. And they might have an argument there, but even so, I bet it's not the most impactful rookie class we've ever had. Um, and this is interesting. Somebody asked about Mike Evans. We've talked about these other injuries. I think we kind of just, because he was able to come back and score a touchdown and everything, and that he has played in the playoffs that we forget that he, there's a chance he may not be a hundred percent still. Do we know kind of where he's at in terms of how healthy is he healthier than these last couple of games? Was he maybe on, you know, a bit of a pitch counter, you know, that were they withholding some things these last couple of weeks and, and the percentage he would be at this week? Well, he's basically in the same spot he was last week as is Chris Godwin, I believe. Although last week, Chris Godwin was dealing with quad and hip injuries and this week it's just quad, but both of those guys were limited to start practice. And that's, that's based on an estimation because when you do a walkthrough, everybody sort of walks through. So for the official injury report, you have to estimate what they would have done if it had been full speed. So if the team is estimating that they would have been limited, then the trainers obviously know that they're still, still dealing with something that's, you know, keeping them from being at full speed. But in the, when we got to the game last week, I don't think either guy was really limited. So it's this time of year when a good number of players on your team are dealing with injuries that, you know, aren't 
aren't fun and aren't easy to work through, but they managed to work through them. So I don't think we have anything to worry about from those guys when we get to the weekend. But yeah, right now they're a little limited. Uh, Delvin had asked, should Jason Light be in consideration for executive of the year? I mean, obviously. Bruce Arians said so for sure. Um, yeah, because it worked. I mean, the talent on this roster, listen, the, the idea of this roster or that the team had about this roster last March was, I think we're, you know, we're close. We've got talent all over the place. We've got a defense that's really, really coming on, which is what Bruce Arians and when he got here and with Jason Light really wanted to make sure they did first was build that defense because he, he knew we had offensive pieces in place. Then to add Tom Brady on top of that and to have it work out so well, basically exactly the way you wanted it to, um, you know, that's, that's good drafting followed by, you know, realizing what you had and making some very bold moves and making it happen and having it all worked out. I mean, what more do you really want from the guy building your team? So yeah. we're biased quite obviously, but right. I can't see how he wouldn't at least be among the, the, you know, small handful of people being considered for that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Dustin had asked, will Aaron Stinney be starting again? And uh, what did you think of how he stepped in for Alex Kappa? Yeah, Aaron Stinney will be starting again. And all I can say about um, how he, he handled it was, I mean, you look at how the offensive line went as a whole, and we all know that you can be very, very talented on the offensive line. But if you have one player in that group who isn't playing well, your offensive line as a whole has a good chance of not looking good just because of one guy. It's that whole, you know, weakest link in the chain thing. And it's really true for an offensive line. What I found interesting was Ronald Jones said they put him in there and then they didn't give him extra help. They didn't chip block for him. They didn't, you know, make sure they were double teaming everybody that he had to block. They just put him in there and said, you block your guy one-on-one -on -one, and he did it. So um, really, really standout performance by Aaron Stinney. And yeah, he'll start again in Green Bay. Okay. And Thomas asked, do we expect to be able to get a lot of pressure on Rogers? Well, we want to, <laughs> I mean, that's really, I think that's what it comes down to on both sides. Really. You got these two quarterbacks that if they have too much time to throw their and the weapons they have around them, they're going to be really hard to stop. And the pressure was the difference in week six. Um, our offense didn't go crazy in week six. We had a pick six and we had another really short field on another interception. And I think we had maybe 320 yards of offense, which is well below our average in that game. But the, obviously the Packers had by far their worst offensive game and Aaron Rodgers did. And it was because he got pressured. We had five sacks and 13 quarterback hits in that game. And and for the most part, Tom Brady didn't get hit at all. And there's your difference. And that's easy to say and say, duplicate that on Sunday in Green Bay and you can get another win. And that could happen. And hopefully that will happen. But the Packers have a good offensive line and, and they are going to try to make sure that doesn't happen. So I can't predict if we're going to get the pressure on or not, but I do believe that that will be the key to the game. And Daniel asked, is Fournette our new number one running back? I don't think we have one right now. Um, I think it's a one-two punch, as, as Bruce Arians called it, or a two-headed monster, as some people would say. Um, and as we know, and we probably said a, a jillion times on these shows, it really doesn't matter who your starting running back is. Um, if those guys are splitting carries almost straight down the middle like they did in New Orleans, what does it really matter who took the first one? Uh, and, and I know, and you know, and Bruce Arians even said it again this week, that if one of the other guys is particularly hot, they will ride that guy. So um, sure, call Leonard Friend at the starter right now if you want to, but it doesn't really matter. Um, and we had, I think, it, let me see, who was it that asked this? Uh, Emmanuel said, will the team go to Green Bay a few days early to get ready for the game? Nope. Um, and you want to explain why that, part of why that is? Um, 
well, COVID stuff. <laughs> that, that's oh, a big part okay. of it. Yeah. Well, then you explain it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, essentially, A, I think teams like to keep things their normal routine anyways, and it yes. is normal for teams to only go a day ahead. So even COVID aside, teams tend to only go the day before they want to stay in their normal routines, stay in their um, normal you know, houses, all this stuff. But then there's also the factor of that with COVID, they definitely want to stay in their bubble as much as possible. You don't want to have to go to hotels and other places where you're more exposed than you have been at home. So that has definitely emphasized how much teams have tried to not travel until as late as possible. And they've even kind of helped some of those rules, even of, of the rules of how early you had to go in the past. So I think that's definitely part of it. Yeah. And what is the advantage to going early? I, I don't get that part of it. Why would I you want to go early? Potentially, they were asking about adjusting to the cold. I've seen a few people ask about that if maybe they wanted to practice in the cold <laughs> beforehand. But yeah, I don't think that's really part of their plan. No, it's definitely not. Yes. I've all seen right. the travel plan. It's They're leaving on Saturday. <laughs> they're leaving on Saturday. Yes. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for all those amazing questions. Thank you for watching. And again, we will be back here tomorrow morning. I know we didn't get to every question. So if we didn't get to yours, make sure you come back here tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. again, and we'll answer some more of those in our final Buccaneers Insider Live before the NFC Championship game. So thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>